Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Some of us are hindered in this life because we give man too much credit. We think man can get us into places and we think man can shut us out of places. Both are errors. There are some people on this side that, man, it kept me out. They kept me out of this, getting this job, this position because the man didn't want me to. That's bogus if you're a Christian. And then on this side, you got people that are running up behind people trying to impress men to get things. When as believers, we're supposed to be looking to the Lord. That he opens doors that no man shuts. And he shuts doors that no man can open. Guess what? People can't save you. Don't look at your pastor or some high religious person to tell you what to do or not to do. They can't be your savior. Yes, a pastor or leader can help you find Jesus's plan for your life and they will have good advice, but always check it against the Bible. Pastor Bill reminds you today to look to the Lord for your ultimate guidance. He knows your future and he knows your past. He sees it all. God will guide you and open the doors you need to walk through. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter three for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Ephesians chapter three, verse one, it says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. So let's let's go back and look at that. First of all, where's Paul at when he's writing this? Did you guys catch that? He's a prisoner, right? As we first look at, you know, purpose and having divine purpose, Paul is in prison. He's in prison not for, he didn't steal some, you know, clothes off the rack at the store. He didn't, you know, rob a muffin at the, at the pita shop. Paul's in prison for obeying God, for ministering the gospel. And Paul here says that for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ for you. He recognizes that one, I'm not a prisoner of Rome. He's imprisoned by Rome. And Paul says, I'm not a prisoner of Rome or of Caesar Nero. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I am where I am by the will of God. God has me here. And I would just say this to us, that it would be a liberating mindset that we could recognize as believers that 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 where we are, if, if, if you're obeying and walking with the Lord, that you are where you are by the will of God, even if it's somewhere you don't want to be. I'm sure Paul didn't want to be in prison. I'm, I'm sure if he had a, had an option, you know, Paul, you want to be in prison or you want to be at the local bed and breakfast? I'm sure he wouldn't have picked prison but Paul says, I'm in prison and I'm in prison with a purpose. He wasn't in prison writing letters to say, guys, pray for me. It's really rough. They're not feeding me good. They're treating me bad. They don't like me around here. Paul said, while I'm here, two things. He wrote letters. So we have all Paul's prison epistles. He wrote letters to encourage the church. But even as we read this here, Paul says, we'll, we'll find out from other letters like Philippians that Paul was in prison leading people to Christ. And so maybe you're somewhere today that you don't necessarily want to be. Maybe you're in a job and you're like, I hate this job. I don't want this job. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Because sometimes God will have us somewhere we don't want to be. Everybody who here has had a job that you didn't want? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. You didn't like it. Right? But you kept it because you had to keep it because you had to have a job. But everybody that's ever worked has probably had a job. I've had jobs that I didn't like. I had jobs that I hated. But I had to go because I needed that paycheck. You know, I hated every day but payday. During payday time, you know, every other day I hate it, you know, so, but, but what we could learn from Paul is he said, look, I'm in prison, but I'm, I got divine purpose all over my life. I am what I am, where I am by the will of God. And so Paul says, I'm really here for you guys. 
I'm here ministering the gospel. I'm here for doing what God called me to do. And I'm not a prisoner of Rome. If God didn't want me in prison, Rome couldn't put me in it. And again, that would liberate us if we could recognize that, that man is not really in charge. Some of us are hindered in this life because we give man too much credit. We think man can get us in the places and we think man can shut us out of places. Both are errors. There are some people on this side that, man, just kept me out. They kept me out of this, getting this job, this position because the man didn't want me to. That's bogus if you're a Christian. And then on this side, you got people that are running up behind people trying to impress men to get things. When as believers, we're supposed to be looking to the Lord that he opens doors and no man shuts and he shuts doors and no man can open. And if I just walk with God and if the door gets shut, then the door is shut by the will of God. I don't got to be mad at the person whose hand is on the knob closing it for me. If the door is open, I honor God. God, you've opened this door and you've allowed me to go in and I'm not going to give men too much shine. I'm not going to take the credit upon myself. You open this door for me. I am where I am by the will of God. So. Wherever you happen to be today, whether you like where you are or you don't like where you are, if you can recognize that there's purpose upon your life, there's divine purpose upon your life. And are you fulfilling that purpose while you're there? Right. Are you walking in divine purpose in this job that you don't like? Are you being a good witness while you're there? Sometimes the fastest way out of a scenario is to fulfill your purpose in it. So I'm here for a season to fulfill God's purpose. And the quickest way out isn't to quit and start over again somewhere else. The quickest way out is to say, God, you got me here. I prayed for 10 jobs. This is the one you gave me. And so while I'm here, let me walk in that divine purpose. What do you want me to do while I'm here? Who am I supposed to be speaking to? Maybe where you live. Maybe you don't like where you're living at. Maybe you wish you could move and be out of where you are. But you got neighbors all around you that don't know what you know. And so maybe God is saying, look, you got purpose here, though. I know you don't like the neighborhood and I know you can't stand them neighbors. I know they get on your nerves over there. But, you know, maybe you have a purpose in being there. We we had a little vacation. My family got to get away for a few days. And our last night, uh, we, were, we were getting ready to shut it down. And we could hear that the people next to us, they was turning up. They was in there. We could hear the noise, all the people. You could hear them. They was going and And we laughed because, one, we were on vacation. So we were, it wasn't like we had an early bedtime. So it didn't matter. But me and my daughter said, remember, for years, where, where I used to live, that was my next door neighbors. It seemed like every Saturday night before I was getting ready for Sunday morning, they had to have a party. And one of the worst nights, they had a party. The parents had gone away. They got some, some young adult or youth kids there. They're partying. They're, they're turning. They got a DJ back there. And they literally, this is my bedroom. I'm in bed right here. This is my bedroom window. There's people at my window throwing up. I'm like, right at my window, there's kids out there going, just throwing up. And I'm like, you know, I want to go out there and tell them something. And the Lord's like, that's not why I put you here. You know, you, you got to be a good witness to them. I'm like, but it's, but it's Saturday night, God. I got to be up. It's Sunday morning tomorrow. You know, and God never let me go out there and check them. You know, he always told me to go back in the house or whatever. So where are you at? Do you recognize that there's divine purpose on your life? You need to or you'll live wrong. If you don't recognize that I'm where I am by the will of God, it, it, I could wake up and go to work and just think in the natural, I got to go do this thing all over again. Or you could wake up and say, God, I'm going to see her again today. I'm going to see that guy on my route today. I'm going to run into this person in the office today. And I want to I want to share something. I want to be a witness. I'm I'm purposing my thoughts. God, they're going to say, how was your weekend? It was great. You know, I went to Sunday with the church on Sunday. I mean, figure out a way to put Jesus in the mix, you know. Uh, without breaking the company rules. You guys know how that goes. So Paul says, look, for this reason, I, Paul, 
the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't give that credit to Nero or Caesar or anybody else. And so if you're writing notes, I want you to write this down. Paul says this in his letter to the Philippians, which he also wrote from prison. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, Paul says, while he's in prison, he says, for these things, me being in prison, he's talking about, has actually worked out for the furtherance of the gospel, that, that I may minister to the prison guard. And so what Paul did in prison was he was ministering to these guards. And let me explain how his imprisonment went. Some of the places where Paul was prisoned, it would be more like, like what we would consider a, a house arrest, except for in the evenings, Paul had to be chained to a guard. And so, you know, house arrest, he could move around a little bit within a restricted area, but at night he would be literally chained to a guard. And where some of us may look at, I don't want to be chained to a guard. You know, I want to get my sleep. I got to be next to this guy. Paul was like, great. I got a captive audience. Literally, they can't go nowhere. They're going to get this message. I mean, Paul was there ministering. Imagine being the Roman guard and you got to be cleaned up to Paul the Apostle. Paul done slept all day so he could stay up all night talking to you about the Lord. And so at the end of Paul's letter to the Philippians, guess what he says? He's greeting all the brothers. He's greeting all the believers. And in Philippians 4, Paul says, and greet those who are, uh, especially those who are of Caesar's house. You know why they were Christians from Caesar's house? Because when Paul was imprisoned by Caesar, he led them to Christ. And so now at the end of his letters, hey, especially greet, remember them guys I led to the Lord, greet all of them. Tell them I said, what's up? You know, that's a, that's a, you know, that's a, that's an Englewood paraphrase of Philippians 4, 22. Tell them I said, what's up? Shout them out for me, you know. But Paul was making the most of where God had put him. And I just want to encourage us that you have divine purpose. There's something God created you, gifted you, equipped you to do. And you might not be where you want to be, but wherever you are, if you're with the Lord, there's a purpose for you in that place. Wherever you are. I mean, Paul's in prison. You know, I, I, hopefully you don't have to get that bad. Hopefully you don't have to get to prison for you realize that let me let me be Let me walk in my divine purpose. Hopefully we can do it in free as a free man, a free woman and whatever God where God has you. So he said, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord of, of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. Paul said, look, I'm a prisoner for you Gentiles. God has me here. on I'm on assignment to minister to you guys. And I would just point that out that, you know, Paul is suffering, if you will, in prison for other people, for Gentiles. Maybe you're in a situation where you're suffering some for the benefit of somebody else. And, you know, some people, you know, they want out. I want that. We want out of every kind of suffering. But. What if God has you suffering and someone else is benefiting from it? You know, what if you're a parent and you're suffering, you're doing all this extra stuff, but what are the kids benefiting from it? Maybe, maybe, maybe God has got that. Maybe that's the program for right now. Anybody that's had kids has suffered. You know, we're a church full of folks with babies, little babies. If you got a little baby, you're suffering. You're suffering sleeplessness. You know, you be crying, you be hangry. You know, all kind of things can happen. I mean, it's it's a, it's a challenging season, the era of life, especially if you got multiple little people. Mommy, you know, and this is that you got to be. You need extra Holy Ghost. You know, so it's a, it's, it's suffering, but is somebody benefiting from it? You know, they gonna grow up and be thankful. Hopefully, you know, if you do it right, you know, so they'll appreciate you later, and one day they'll be thankful for it. And so Paul was suffering. But for the Gentiles, because God had called him to minister to the Gentiles. And Paul understood that this is what I've been called to do. Verse two, he says, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. And so the, the dispensation of the grace of God, there have been different errors in, 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 in God's kingdom. And so there was the Old Testament, Old Covenant error where people related to God through the laws and the rituals of the Old Covenant. That was what God had established then then there was the new covenant 
another era that, that God instituted where now people would relate to him through the person of Jesus Christ and we would come this way. Now, in the Old Testament, it was primarily the majority of what you see is focused on the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, the laws, the rituals, these are for the Jews. There were prophecies in the Old Testament about Gentiles being saved. There were in the Old Testament Gentiles that got saved, but primarily what you see going on is the history of the people of Israel, the Jewish people. It's not till you come to the New Testament, New Covenant, where God says, we're going to break this whole thing wide open. What we looked at last week, that I'm going to break down the middle wall of separation and Jew and Gentile are going to be one. They're going to be one in Christ. They're going to come to me the same way that I'm, 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 you know, ridding, I'm abolishing this old covenant. There's a brand new covenant and everybody can be saved. Everyone that will believe in Jesus can come and be saved, be washed in his blood. And so Paul said that's, that was the ministry that was given to me um, according to the, the this dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me. That was Paul's ministry to the to the Gentiles who had the ministry to the Jews primarily. Anybody know Peter? You know, Peter had the ministry to the Jews and Paul to the Gentiles, which is interesting because Paul had the pedigree. Paul, if you could have picked somebody, if you, if you were looking at natural terms, it would have said Paul would have been perfect to go to the Jews. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee, the ex-Pharisee. We would look at Paul and say, that's the guy to go to the Jews. Jesus said, he's the guy to go to the Gentiles. And what does that go to show us? That sometimes we might look at people in the natural and people do this all the time. You look at a star and be like, oh, if that guy got saved, man. Oh, he would just lead everybody to Christ. Maybe not. Maybe he's not the guy. Maybe maybe we think that just looking at him, we're like, oh, man, if they, if they would get saved, they would, ooh, they could really do some great things looking at their natural things. And God's like, no, they wouldn't. I'm going to use that guy over here, the most unlikely person. You know, I'm, that's who I'm going to use. It's hard to pin God down for what he's going to do or who he's going to use. God will use whom he will. Amen. Something that I want us to consider, though, every one of us, everybody here this morning, again, please consider this. Like Paul, wasn't Paul clear about the fact that he was called, what he was called to do, who he was called to? He seemed so clear about what his purpose in life was. Paul wasn't just kind of meandering through, just kind of seeing how things would go. Paul was very clear, like, I'm called to these people, called to be in this position, called to be in that place. How, he, how was he so clear in those things? Because he got them straight from God. And if you're here as a child of God and it's foggy for you, if you're here today saying, I'm saved, I love the Lord, I don't know what I'm called to do. I don't know what I'm supposed, at this era, this season of my life, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I want to challenge you to be fervent in prayer about that. But we should all be clear about, we may not have the whole script of our life, but we should be clear about something we're doing right now. God, I know right now in this season, you've called me to be focused on this. You've called me to really give myself over to this. And it'll change. There'll be seasons that'll it'll change from thing to thing, but but there should be some clarity about it. And if you're just kind of meandering, just, just doing whatever, hoping that God will somehow you know be glorified through your life, don't be, be, be unsatisfied, be discontented to just do whatever because God's got something he would have you to focus on. And you'll never do the thing that God's called you to do as well as if you're just unfocused. If you're just kind of like, well, you know, it seems like God's using me over here and I'll try that. I, I kind of try this and I do a little bit of that and I just kind of do whatever, whenever, however, you know, you'll never. When are you focusing on, on God? God, you gave me this gift and you called me to focus on this thing. And so I'm giving myself to it. Paul told Timothy, once he knew what he was called to do, Paul said, Timothy, give yourself entirely to it. This is what you're called to do. If you look at anybody that does something great, they give themselves to it. You look at the, you know, the guys that we may admire for basketball. You know, you look at the reps that them guys put in. A thousand shots a day. 
That would just, I would be bored to death again and again and again all day long. And so we see him in a game running back and forth and doing the He's the greatest, you know. That dude's putting in work in private. They got gyms in their houses. So they can just do it and do it and do it. And it's not on accident that they just do that and it just happens and it goes the right way, you know. That's for just a game, basketball. How much more are you and me that are called to, to God? We're called to serve the Lord. Like, what did God, what did you call me to do? How do I, I'm going to put some reps in. I'm called to be a witness. I'm going to put some witness and reps in this week. You know, I'm called to prayer. You put some prayer reps in or whatever it is that you call to do. Do we have that same kind of, you know, fervor for the things that God has called us to? We can't really have fervor and passion for something we're unclear on. If you don't know what it is and pursue him about what it is. And I believe he'll speak to you about that. Amen. Moving on, he says in verse three, how. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written to you. And so Paul speaking of this mystery, that word mystery means things that were previously concealed that have now been revealed. And so Paul says, look, there's by revelation, God revealed it. So, you know, God showed Paul there was revelation that Paul got directly from Jesus. God made known to him this mystery that he's briefly already written about how the Jew and Gentile will come together. Verse four, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. When you read the things that that I've already written to you guys about, verse five, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. And it has now been revealed by the spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. So Paul, Paul said, look, there was a time when this wasn't as well known, but now God has revealed them by his spirit through the holy apostles and the prophets. I, I, I will say this again. When Paul talks about the holy apostles, and he ain't talking about nobody today that's calling himself an apostle at their spot. You know, he's talking about the holy apostles, the, the, the ones that, that Jesus directly spoke to that were sent out, the sent out ones. They were sent out with the message. This is what made the apostles, this is what gave them credibility and authority. They had the message straight from Jesus. That's that was that's what we call what we call apostolic authority. When Paul spoke, when Peter spoke, when John the Apostle spoke, they spoke with firsthand knowledge. We got it straight from Jesus. We didn't hear from Rabbi, you know, uh, Ronkadonk down the way. We, we got this straight from Jesus Christ and we're telling you what we got straight from him. So when they spoke, it was with apostolic authority. When they wrote, it was with apostolic authority. We can take their word for it. They got this information straight from Jesus. When the guy down the street decides that he's tired of being a pastor or a bishop and now that wants to be an apostle and he calls a bunch of people on to do a parade and a show and make him apostle, that man is not speaking with apostolic authority. Y'all need to know that. I don't speak with apostolic authority unless I'm reading out of my Bible. I don't have any new revelations for you guys, but that's some of the stuff that people are doing today. It's like you get a man that calls himself an apostle. You got to if you buy into it that this man is speaking with apostolic authority, he could tell you anything. He can tell you everybody right now, everybody right now, God wants you to do whatever he wants. And if you believe he's speaking with apostolic authority, you guys would be the fools. And there's a lot of that going on. So I just want y'all to know better. If you want to hear apostolic authority, where are you going to get it from? The Bible. And if anybody's speaking, it, it, it should always agree with what's already written in the Bible. Right. God, God's not going to give a new revelation that conflicts or contradicts what he's already revealed in the word of God. And that's why it's a real position of strength. For us as Christians to know the word of God. So when somebody does say something weird, you're like, no, nah, no, nah, brother, that don't that don't check out. And because I know that it says here this and you go to chapter and verse and read it to them and you go on and leave that place and don't go back. Amen. So I just want to point that out because I, I, I hate to see people getting took like that. But it happens today. And so 
when Paul says he revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets, he's speaking of the guys that were that were God was using at that era, that time. Verse six. And the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. And so this is Paul's look, the Jews and Gentiles, they're not going to be replacing each other. They're not going to be two separate and they're going to be part of the same body. And so it's not like there's Jews and they have their thing. And then there's Gentiles and we have our own separate things or the Christian church, the Gentile church doesn't take the place of the Jewish people. God says, look, they, they're going to be part of one church. But as you continue to study the prophetic sequence of events, God's not done with Israel. You know, God's God's God that you read through through the tribulation period and what happens in God is still going to be reaching out to them. But but what this tells us here that Jew and Gentile are going to be together. We're going to be we're going to worship together. And so in that culture, it would have been a much bigger deal than to us because most of us don't know Jews. I mean, we don't really have any around us or anything. it's not. We don't have that same conflict that they were having back then that the Jew and Gentile was so culturally it was, it was explosive culturally for them to come together and worship Jews had always had their religion and their rules and their this and their that and they had taken it even beyond what God ever intended through the laws and through legalism and everything else and then you had Gentiles who were just getting saved off the street and they coming in dress how whatever they eat whatever they want to eat and Jews are looking and saying that that can't be right you mean to tell me that guy is saved? He can't be saved, you know? And they had a hard time accepting what God was doing through his grace. But God says, no, I'm, I'm doing that. You guys are part of the same body. And so while we don't have that struggle, we do want to be careful about, I believe we want to be careful about being religious, being those that hold to the traditions of men too tightly, because that's what happened to the, the Jews and the Pharisees of Jesus. They, they, they held to their traditions so tightly that when Jesus came saying, I'm doing something brand new, they were like, no, nah, we don't receive that. This is how we've always done it. And this is how we're going to continue to do it. And you got people in churches that just just religious, you know. Well, my grandma's church back in 1851, this is how they did it. And they had to be right. Some, some people think that it was right because it was a long time ago. So the longer back you go, if that's what they did back in 1851, that's the right way to do it. You, dog, you guys, all this new thing y'all doing is wrong. That's not how it works. It's got to be in the Bible. Right. If it's in the Bible, yeah, I don't care how old what's in the Bible is. We're going to continue to do that. But there are many things that people hold to their just traditions of men that you can't even find them in Scripture. What did Jesus get upset with the Pharisees for doing? He said, you guys hold uh, the traditions of men above my word. And God didn't like that. We, we hold the word of God above the traditions of men. And so, you know, be careful about being that kind of per person. You know, that that that, you know, you if God does a new thing that's, that's within the realm of what the Bible allows and you have a hard time, that's not what you're used to. Sometimes the enemy of the new thing God wants to do is the old thing God was doing. And church folk can be real bad about, you know, allowing God to do a new thing. No, we, this is how we've always done it. And it's like, well, that's how that that season. That's how God wanted us to do it. But now God is saying to do it this way. Let there be that liberty, that freedom for the spirit to move. You want a, you want a group of people to die spiritually? Quench the spirit. Don't don't allow for the Lord to be able to speak new things. And that thing will just die. It'll rot right on the, on the on the branches. And so so moving on, Paul says, verse seven, right? Yeah. Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. And so Paul recognizes his call to be a minister was God did it. You know, I became a minister according to the gift 
of the grace of God that was given to me uh, by the effective working of his power. And, and like I said earlier, is that verses one through seven looked at purpose. Paul was very clear. I became a minister. It was according to the gift that God gave me, the grace of God that was given to me by the effective working of his power. Many times the gifts that God has given us are hints at what we're called to do. And if you don't have a sense of divine direction or purpose to your life, uh, I just want to challenge you in the love of Christ that you would pursue the Lord about that. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of Ephesians is available to listen to again on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. Once you're there, just click on the teachings tab or feel free to download our mobile app to listen to more messages like this. Just search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest information on service times and locations. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. As we study through the book of Ephesians, has it caused you to think about your relationship with the people around you? Do you love them as Jesus does? Do you treat them as Jesus would? Do you seek to cause strife or do you seek to honor the Lord in your relationships? Paul value unity just as the Lord does. If this is something you wrestle with, you're not alone. And although that may be comforting, it's also important that you strive to live in harmony with those around you. As we continue through this study together, we're praying for you. Would you also be praying for a transforming word? As the message goes out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. Pray for open ears, soft hearts, and changed lives. Thanks for your prayers, and thanks for tuning into to today's edition of A Transforming Word.